0: So the United States, along with Britain last week, conducted a series of airstrikes hitting dozens of targets in areas of Houthi-controlled Yemen.
1: Missy Ryan is a national security reporter for The Post, and she's been following an emerging conflict between a U.S.-led coalition and a militant group known as the Houthis. The airstrikes, which continue today, are in response to ongoing Houthi attacks on commercial ships transporting goods through the Red Sea. That's a body of water that borders Saudi Arabia and Yemen.
0: Basically, the Biden administration has really been struggling to contain this campaign by the Houthis to threaten ships, transiting the Bab mendeb and the Red Sea. And so this was a, an attempt to weaken their military ability.
1: Houthi leaders say they're attacking the ships in response to Israel's invasion of Gaza a conflict that's now been ongoing for more than 100 days and has left more than 24,000 people in Gaza dead.
0: And the Houthis have basically been using their proximity to these ships as a way to push back on Israel's campaign in Gaza and American support for Israel in that operation.
1: From the newsroom of The Washington Post, This is Post Reports. I'm your guest host, Arjun Singh. It's Tuesday, January 16th. Today, why the U.S. attacks on Houthi rebels and their counterattacks are raising questions about regional fallout from Israel's war in Gaza. And whether the U.S. can avoid getting pulled into another murky conflict in the Middle East. I want to back up for a second, and can you help me understand a little bit more about the Houthi group in Yemen, and who are they, and how did they come to power?
0: So the Houthis are essentially a rebel group that— originally came from Northern Yemen and they come from the Zaidi branch of Shiite Islam. And they pushed back against the central government of Yemen. And then in late 2014, they actually took over the capital, Sana'a. And they, since then, have controlled parts of Yemen. They function as the de facto government. And they've been mired in a civil war since 2015. And uh, they basically emerged as this significant military power assisted in large part by Iran, which saw the Houthis not only as an ally, fellow Shiite group, but also an ally in pushing back against some of these regional adversaries of Iran, like Saudi Arabia. And so now, since the war in Gaza has started, the Houthis have really positioned themselves as part of this active access of resistance against what Israel is doing, against American support for Israel, and they have been... Targeting ships in the Red Sea. They say they are targeting ships with links to Israel. That's not clear that they actually are able to identify which ships have any links to Israel because there have certainly been ships that they've targeted that have no links to Israel. They're not targeting every ship, but there have been more than two dozen attacks since the war in Gaza began. And they've sent drones, they've sent ballistic and cruise missiles against certain ships. There was at least one hijacking that occurred. And so while they're not attacking every ship that transits this choke point, the Bab mendeb which is sort of at the bottom of the Arabian Peninsula, the possibility of that happening has really been enough for these companies who invest a lot of money in each ship and in their cargo to think about avoiding the area. And so you have this political dispute and you have this militant group that suddenly is able to pose this real threat to commercial shipping, to global commerce, and to countries that have no relation at all to the war in Israel or to the Yemen conflict.
1: You know, and in thinking about the airstrikes that the U.S. launched last week, has the U.S. launched airstrikes against the Houthis before in Yemen in the past? And how much of an escalation was that between the Houthis and the United States?
0: You know, Yemen is a really interesting topic when we're talking about the Biden administration. The United States has a long history and complex history of involvement in Yemen. The U.S. had a multi-year counterterrorism campaign in Yemen, where special operations forces conducted airstrikes and raids against al-Qaeda. There was at one point a very powerful al-Qaeda branch in Yemen. The United States has had military presence there over the years. But ever since the civil war broke out in 2015, they really have tried not to get involved directly in that conflict. So now that the, they're in a very different situation, you now have the possibility of Biden becoming involved in this civil war that he, for a long time, tried to keep the United States out of.
1: Yeah, and I know you covered diplomacy for a very long time I know that when President Biden was campaigning and when he first came into office, one of his pledges was, I won't get us involved in more conflicts in the Middle East. So I'm wondering, Missy, is this a turning point for the Biden administration or how should we view these airstrikes in the context of how Biden has tried to steer U.S. foreign policy and military policy, particularly in the Middle East?
0: So basically, the Biden administration has really tried to refocus American foreign policy Outside of the Middle East, clearly after 9-11 for two decades, that was the focus, the greater Middle East, Afghanistan. And now Biden wants America to refocus on China, pushing back against Russia and Ukraine and elsewhere. And so when the war in Gaza erupted, really the priority was preventing further escalation and spread of that conflict. They want to prevent this from becoming something that sucks America back in, that refocuses its foreign policy on the Middle East. And so the goal initially was to avoid conflict. They formed a maritime coalition. They worked with allies to try to sort of present a concerted international deterrent message against the Houthis. There was a UN Security Council resolution that was passed. But in the end, the Houthis, they do not seem deterred. They do not have the same reluctance to wade into a direct conflict, a major direct conflict with the United States. And so I think what we're seeing here is the Biden administration trying to limit its military engagement with the Houthis, weaken their military ability without kind of plunging themselves into what could be an open-ended, very unpredictable conflict with this militant group. But, you know, nobody knows if it's going to work. The Houthis seem pretty determined.
1: Legally, how did the Biden administration justify these strikes they launched against Houthi militants in Yemen? Because I have seen that there has been criticism from both Democrats and Republicans who first say that these were an overreach of presidential authority, but also there's been criticism that this could actually draw the U.S. into a wider conflict. So, Missy, how has the Biden administration justified that? And do they have the legal authority to launch these airstrikes?
0: Well, yeah, this has been a blurry area for a number of years now. You know, Biden, when it comes to Congress and then when it comes to sort of presenting an international front on this particular message, you know, they've been describing this as self defense. They've been describing, you know, the need to protect American ships, partnerships that are coming under Houthi attack. You know, I wouldn't necessarily expect the pushback from Congress to be a significant factor going forward. There's been criticism of the executive branch's use of force for a long time, and it doesn't usually lead to any real new legislation. But I do think it has political implications because there has been significant criticism from the Republican Party when it comes to Biden's management of attacks. Republicans basically are saying that what Biden has done has been insufficient, that they are not presenting a sort of credible deterrent because they have been reluctant to use force. So you do really see the tension there between Biden's desire to avoid greater escalation and the concern You know, not just on the part of Republicans. I think there's probably a lot of people in the administration who share this concern that what they're doing will be insufficient to halt the violence.
1: After the break, how these attacks may test the U.S. relationship with Iran. We'll be right back. I want to step back a little bit more globally. You've talked about the relationship between Iran and the Houthis and their role in a little bit of this. But tell me more about this relationship in the U.S. calculus here. I mean, is there a risk, though, that this could be seen as a provocation of Iran that could end up creating blowback?
0: Oh, definitely. The Iranian government has criticized these attacks, which is not surprising And, you know, more broadly, what we're seeing, not just since the war in Gaza began, this has been going on for many years now, in Iraq and Syria particularly, but what has intensified since the war in Gaza began has been this drumbeat of incidents, attacks by groups that are armed and trained by Iran. This is different militia groups in Iraq and Syria, This is Hezbollah in in Lebanon, and this is now the Houthis in Yemen. And so, like, basically, this is sort of a shadow conflict, a proxy conflict between the United States and Iran, which is an important regional adversary. The Biden administration has held back against directly striking Iran for reasons that are, you know, I think mostly having to do with the, the fact that, it's a significant regional military power. The United States doesn't want to get into an unpredictable conflict with a country like Iran. We're not looking for conflict with Iran. We're not looking to escalate, and there's no reason for it to, to escalate. This is what John Kirby, a White House spokesperson for foreign policy and national security, had to say about the strikes. Uh, we, we, we don't, we're not looking for conflict with Iran. Uh, that said, uh, we know that Iran supports the Houthis. We know that they supply them with the missiles and the drones, the same things that they've been using to attack shipping. Uh, and we have made it very clear Iran should stop that support. We have the, the we'll continue- Biden administration never wanted to get directly involved in the civil war in Yemen. And I think that's certainly still true. So they are trying to thread the needle and prevent this from becoming a bigger war and jeopardizing american interest but not so much that you know it leads to this massive eruption of all-out war and certainly you know avoiding a direct conflict with iran
1: and for iran how important of an ally are the houthis i mean how invested are they in the houthis campaign in yemen and also what they are doing in the red sea right now do we have an idea of that
0: It's a little bit murky. American officials say that the relationship between Iran and the Houthis has really deepened since the war in Yemen began in 2015 in terms of, you know, the Houthis getting advanced military capability from Iran and potentially some training by Hezbollah or by the Iranian military directly. So there is an ongoing question about how much of this campaign is coming from Sana'a, from the Houthi leaders who see a chance to elevate themselves as a group that is pushing back against Israel and the war in Gaza in a way that we're not seeing from other governments in the Arab world, even though those same governments have condemned strongly the operation in Gaza. And so it's unclear how much of that and then the global shipping attacks are coming from Sana'a versus Iran itself.
1: Well, I'm curious about that because... The United States has said that this is defense because American ships were being attacked. Biden administration officials have said they want this to be limited. But at the same time, is that a realistic possibility? What have diplomats or analysts or others who've closely been observing this been saying about that? Is there a way to be able to thread that needle where these airstrikes stay limited but it doesn't broaden into a bigger regional conflict given how many regional actors are involved in this right now?
0: Well, I think it's possible that the Biden administration can avoid getting into a direct conflict with Iran. They've repeatedly said explicitly that they do not want a conflict with Iran, even though they are at the same time blaming Iran for arming these groups that are attacking the United States and its allies and global shipping generally. But I think the real question is whether or not they will prevent this ongoing drumbeat of incidents that threaten U.S. personnel and, you know, and, and in this situation with the Houthis, jeopardize global commerce and, you know, really create economic ripples across the whole world. So, you know, that that's their strategy. But I think it's pretty clear that Biden has given his team strong instructions that the priority here is containing the violence.
1: hmm And so we saw that there was a retaliatory attack from the Houthis over the weekend. Missy, what are going to be some of the next things that you're going to be looking out for or kind of the key players in this that you're going to be watching? What do you see as the next steps of this conflict right now?
0: Well, I think one of the interesting things we have to look at is how this whole situation is actually benefiting the Houthis. As I said earlier, there is widespread condemnation Across the Arab world, from governments and from the sort of Arab street, of the situation in Gaza, you have more than 24,000 people killed in the Gaza Strip. And that was in response to the Hamas attacks on October 7th, which killed more than 1,000 people in Israel. There's a lot of anger on the part of American allied governments even. You know, you have countries like Jordan and Egypt condemning Israel and, you know, indirectly the United States as Israel's largest military backer. But at the same time, those governments have really deep relationships with Washington. And so they are, you know, limiting themselves to rhetorical condemnation. And here you have the Houthis in Yemen, which are not a recognized government by the United States and they are sort of seizing on this opportunity to prove their revolutionary resistance bona fides by actually acting on those feelings and actually conducting attacks in their description of you know Israel-linked ships. And so it's sort of a chance for them to elevate their status as um, a, an, a significant regional player, as someone who's making good on the feelings that are shared widely across the Arab world. And I think it really only strengthens them domestically and in terms of their standing with others who are unhappy with the situation in the Levant. So the Biden administration is thinking about those implications, those longer-term implications for sure. But, you know, I think their most immediate concern is the the threat to global commerce. —
1: Well, Missy, thank you so much for all the reporting you've been doing on the topic and taking the time to chat with us today.
0: Thank you very much.
1: Missy Ryan is a national security reporter for The Post. That's it for Post Reports. Thanks for listening. Today's show was produced by Peter Bresnan with help from Renny Svarnovsky. It was mixed by Sam Baer and edited by Monica Campbell. And now that 2024 is finally here, we're going to be bringing you everything you need to know about the presidential election right here on Post Reports, whether it's taking you to New Hampshire for the primaries where I'll be later this week or out on the campaign trail with President Biden. Make sure to subscribe and follow Post Reports wherever you get your podcasts to stay up to date with what you need to know this election season. I'm Arjun Singh, your guest host. We'll be back tomorrow with more stories from The Washington Post.